Hello, and welcome to this very special Omaha edition of the Low Key Podcast. This episode is sponsored by Justin's. Justin's creates a nut butter that's naturally delicious with flavors like honey, chocolate, vanilla, and maple. And if you have a sweet tooth, go try their peanut butter cups, which come in white chocolate, chocolate, and dark chocolate. So go to Justin's and get a tasty treat. So now, without further ado, Infusion Brewing. It's nice, it's easy, it's low-key. Let's get started. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Low Key. I'm here at Infusion Brewing Company with Bill... Baburik. Baburik. That's such a unique last name. Where is it from? It's Czech origin. Okay. Yeah, so... Nice. Um, so yeah, it's... Uh, in fact, it was funny because we were over in the Czech Republic, um, oh, probably five or six years ago, and we went to uh, the 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 Czech Budweiser brewery there called Budvar. Interesting. And we were doing this big tour. I took a tour group over there and everything, and we went in there, and I went in to check in for the tour, and the lady's like, um, do you have relatives in the town? I'm like, no, not that I'm aware of. And mm. she's like, well, we have a, a baburik that works here at the brewery. Yeah. I'm like, really? Okay. So he came out, and we met him and everything, but obviously some sort of relative because she goes the, the name is very uncommon even yeah. in Czech Republic so I'm sure there was some sort of you know line, heritage uh, ancestry lineage there that I'm sure we were somehow related you know? yeah that's yeah. interesting that's crazy yeah it was really weird <laughs> and he worked in a brewery and you know and I own this brewery and so it's kind of like well, kind of must, must run in the blood somewhere yeah that's funny yeah yeah Long, long relative that works in a brewery in right. the Czech Republic. Yeah, exactly. That's funny. So kind of kind of tell us the journey of you starting Infusion and how you got into beer and craft beer. Well, I've been into craft beer since really since the since the kind of the beginning movement of craft beer, which was uh, uh, really in the early 80s. So I've been in craft beer for a long, long time. Uh, it kind of developed... You know, when I was when I was a teenager, I started collecting uh, beer cans and beer memorabilia, and and I, I kind of uh, I don't know, just kind of really really started to get an interest in the brewing industry. Yeah. And um, when the craft beer movement started, I was still collecting beer cans and everything, and um, my uh, my father uh, had some friends that lived out in California and. and and some of the first craft breweries in the United States were founded in California. Yeah. And so my father contacted this friend, and he would mail us back these beers. Um, and um, so we got some some really early uh, uh, bottled craft beers mm-hmm. sent to us, again, in like 81, 82. Wow. Uh, of some, some really 
early pioneers in in the in the brewing in the craft brewing uh, movement. Yeah. And it just kind of snowballed from there. And um, when I got out of college, I went to work um, at a at a local um, big company. Um, and part of my part of my job um, was traveling. I, I was required to travel uh, and all over the country because we I worked with um, with banks. Mm. And so when I traveled all over these all over to these different cities, I would always check out the local craft beer scene. You know, maybe they had a brew pub in the town. This would have been again. Now we're now we're into the early '90s, so uh, I would check out the craft beer uh, scene, any brew pubs, beer bars, anything. You know, so uh, I would always volunteer for the uh, to go on the trips that w- would take me to. San Francisco or Portland or Seattle or you know where, where they where that movement was really starting to to gain ground in those areas, and so I was able to see um, a lot of those craft breweries in their infancy, you know, like Widmere Brothers and Bridgeport in Portland and Red Hook in Seattle and, and all yeah. that. We were able to go to those breweries when they were relatively small. Um, but um, yeah, and then I left First Data uh, in the mid '90s, and I opened up a, a craft beer bar in, in Omaha based on um, based on the kind of the, the the knowledge that I had gained from visiting all these craft beer bars and breweries across the country. Uh, I wasn't ready to open a brewery. I, I was a little too hesitant to open a brewery. Yeah, and didn't have the capital to open a brewery at the time. So we went with um, a beer bar instead, and um, we brought in all these different craft beers from around the country. And the beer, I still own the beer bar, um, and we've grown. We, when we opened, we had 24 tap lines. We now have uh, 85 tap lines, so um, it's it grew considerably uh, for wow. us. And then a few years ago. Um, our, orig- our original location, which is uh, is still still there and still still a brewery in the Benson area of town, um, there was a building that a friend of mine was using um, as a um, he was a contractor, like a carpenter, and he was using this building as as his shop. And he decided he was going to sell the building, and it was right in the heart of the Benson Business District. And the and the Benson Business District had, was in the at the time and still is experiencing this rebirth, kind of like uh, all these new businesses coming in and new restaurants and 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 kind of uh, really trendy bars and uh, cafes and such were opening up in this in this older business district. Uh, part of Omaha and so I bought the building got a pretty good deal on the building and we were it was an old meat market we renovated it uh, got it on the National Register of Historic Places and opened up a little seven barrel brewery there thinking this would be kind of cool yeah my dream come true finally got my brewery you know Um, and then we started um, about six months after we opened we started selling uh, beer through a distributor uh, and we thought, well, hey, if we can get a, a little bit of our beer out into the market, you know, it'd be kind of cool to go into a bar and see your beer on tap and everything. Yeah. So we thought our business plan was um, the 
first year we'd have maybe 10 to 15 uh, accounts yeah and by the fifth year we were hoping to have like maybe 50 accounts wow so unfortunately well unfortunately or fortunately what happened was it took off and that those 10 to 15 accounts in the first year became like 50 accounts wow and we're like okay and we our little seven barrel system was having a hard time keeping up we were brewing literally every day um and it wasn't conducive you know we had we were we had to wash kegs in the basement we our only only cold storage there was in the basement dang uh all the grain was uh was brought in through a coal chute into the basement oh my gosh i mean it was it wasn't it's not it's not set up and conducive for production brewing yeah and so we were pumping you know uh, in our in our first in the first um, in our, I guess our last major year there before this facility opened, we produced about fifteen hundred barrels of beer off this little seven barrel system. Wow! And we didn't have any space for any more tanks. I mean, it, it's just really crowded. Um, so we had to make the decision. Everybody was screaming for the beer, mm. and we had to make this. And we didn't have any way to package beer, so it was all draft. And um, we had to make the decision as to whether we were going to stay the same size or whether we were going to grow and, well, a little bit. And so we decided to find another place so that we could package our beer and brew more beer. And that's how we landed. That's how we landed here about, awesome. a, about a year and a half ago. Yeah, that's cool. You, you were describing, like, you, you've been in the beer industry for a long time, yeah. you said from from the '80s. That's yeah. when you when you got into it. Is is there a difference that you've seen like with craft beer or an explosion compared to now or like the the 2000s and stuff? Uh, for sure. I mean, back back in when I first like let's say even 20 some years ago when I first opened the beer bar at Crescent Moon, um, there was a lot of there was still a lot of contract brewed beer out there. People were just trying to make a buck off. Off of a off of a trend, um, there was a lot of bad craft beer out there. Yeah, I think the biggest thing that um, we've seen nowadays is that the general public knows the difference now between a good beer and a not so good beer. Yeah, and so I would if you don't make you, you can't survive not making good beer anymore yeah you know there's there's no there's not there's that margin of error is is kind of been taken out of the equation that people mm-hmm. know now they're not just drinking beer because it's it's cool or trendy it's because they like they like what they're drinking yeah you know? yeah and a lot of people are are going more towards um the local feel or they're they're getting into more flavor and yeah stuff. well um, yeah i mean we've we've seen the industry grow to 5,500 breweries across the United States now. Ten years ago, I don't even know if it was at 2,000. So, really? you know, we're opening, you know, the, the, the general statistic now is that a brewery opens about every 16 hours in the United States. Well, you know, which is kind of, it's crazy to think of that it's way. It's insane. You know, it's absolutely crazy. Um, you know, that we're opening, you know, in excess of 500 breweries a year in the United States. There's, there's over 5,500 open, and there's still another, according to the Brewers Association, there's still another 
2,000 plus in the planning stages. Wow. So at some point in time, you reach a point of, you reach a point of, uh, oh, saturation, you'd think, in some markets. Yeah. But, um, you know, especially some markets like Denver and Portland that are, that are sporting 60, 70 breweries in their metropolitan areas, and you, and you wonder how, and that's what's, that's what's driven the local movement so much, you know, uh, is that now breweries, it's not, it's not good enough to be just from that state. Yeah. It's not sometimes even good enough to be from that city. It has to be local to that neighborhood, if you will, mm, yeah. almost. In, in, some, in some cities, breweries don't distribute or don't sell their beer outside of their, even their own little neighborhood. You have to go to that neighborhood to get the beer. So that's how localized it's become. Yeah. I've seen a lot of that. One city I went to is Columbus. Mm-hmm. And they, they have, like, I, I thought it was, it's crazy, like, because it's growing in that way. A lot of places are growing in that way. But right. there's, like, it was in between, like, there's some breweries that were in between neighborhoods, and I'm just like, this is crazy. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. But, yeah, it's it's growing so much. It is. And so fast. And it's it really is. cool. Um, what was your very first craft beer that you had? Um, I, you know, you can look at it, I guess, from a couple different ways, but I, I, I suppose it would probably be either um, uh, Anchor Steam or um, you know, uh, a lot of people say that you know Fritz Maytag really was kind of the the founder of the craft beer movement or the grandfather of the craft beer movement, and uh, by 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 rescuing uh, the the Anchor Brewery from extinction, yeah, and 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 preserving that that style of beer, and so I, I mean I guess really and truly. Uh, you know, a lot of people's, um, maybe, uh, especially from, from that generation, um, first craft brewery or craft beer would, would probably be like Anchor Steam, maybe a Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, mm-hmm. uh, something, you know, something of that nature. But you know, again, you know, my, my dad's buddy would send these, these weird beers back, um, to us, um, and, uh, we'd try these things, you know, I had... A Boulder, uh, Boulder Brewing Company was an early one. Uh, they've been around, you know, they uh, they they've been around for 25, 27 years, something like that. So that was an early one that we drank, you know, where we were drinking porters and stouts. Well, that was really some far out stuff to be yeah. drinking porters and stouts. You know, uh, went went way beyond the normal, even even a German dark beer or whatever. Kind yeah. of a thing, you know, from as far as a like, wow, this is really different. <laughs> this is not <laughs> this is not what I think of beer is supposed to taste like. Yeah, you know, kind of a thing. So yeah, when I when I first like started venturing into porters and stouts, like it was such a different world for me because because oh, sure. there's a lot that tastes like coffee and mm-hmm. their dessert flavors and yep. the, the syrups and stuff. It's it just so different but they're so heavy too right you, you want to be careful with that yeah too. well and i do remember i like i do remember my first sour beer and thinking this is the worst stuff i've ever yeah uh, i've ever drank and now i absolutely love sours i love uh you know a good berliner weiss and such um but 
you know, when you first taste one, it's your your it's like your 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 mind expects it to taste a certain way because it's beer. Okay. And then when it tastes so much different than that, it's just like sticker shock, kind of like like what the heck is this? You know? Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, I like to describe. Um, sour beers as like salt and vinegar chips. Yeah, like most people don't like them, but right. you you get accustomed to yeah the flavor and you just your taste buds develop and, and it's like you know um, you know I've become kind of more of a hop hop head uh, IPA drinker and there's a lot of people that 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 can't get past the, the the hop bitterness and it's like if you drink them and you can keep drinking them your palate will develop into you know. Uh, your palate will develop to like anything, you know, after after time. Yeah. So I'm drinking one of your amber ales. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of describe um, the flavors and what it's about, and then kind of describe some of the beers you have seasonally and yeah. and the regulars. Well, our amber, um, uh, that one's uh, our Olson's amber. It was it's actually um, not that it describes the beer, but it was named after uh, the Olson family who ran the meat market in our original location in Benson. Okay. So there was a, a Swedish meat market, um, and uh, the guy's name was Olsen, so we thought, well, be a nice little trip, fitting tribute to uh, to name a beer after the, uh, after the uh, you know, family that ran the, the, the meat market for like 70 years. Um, but anyway, uh, but yeah, the, 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 uh, the amber is just, uh, it's, it's, you know, more, more darker in color, but it's not heavy in body, so it's 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 uh, it's got a little bit of um, a little bit of roast to it. Takes okay. a little bit of roasted malt in there, but it's 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 fairly smooth. Not we didn't want to make it overly sweet. We're not too big into overly sweet beers. We like you know if it's going to be a, a kind of a lighter body beer, we want it to be um, nicely balanced between uh, and and not get you know. So that you can drink, you know. I feel like if, if it's too sweet, you can't drink, you know, multiples of them. So yeah. it's got a nice multi backbone to it, uh, and it makes it um, an easy drinking beer, regardless of what time of year it is. You know, yeah. summer, winter, fall, whatever. Uh, some of the other beers that we have, um, like seasonally wise, we're kind of right in between seasons right now, because um, as the seasons change we went from having a a tart cherry uh wheat beer uh and a, a pineapple ipa during the summer so we have that light kind of uh fruity um cherry wheat and with that's made with um uh, michigan montmorency cherries so oh. it almost has a has almost like some cherry pie characteristics to wow. it and then the the pineapple ipa we use about uh, we for a twenty barrel batch, we usually cut up about a hundred pineapples, and uh, uh, put them through a, a a juicer kind of thing. And Jeez. so we use uh, fresh pineapple juice and some pulp in there from the pineapple, um, and that's um, that's a really great intro to IPAs because it's it's hoppy, but the pineapple kind of you know, kind of tones down the bitterness of the hops. Yeah. Complements, you know, the, the citrusy flavors of the, uh, and bitterness of the hops are complemented by the citrus uh, flavors of the pineapple. So, you have those two that are just kind of 
now getting transitioned out mm. and we're transitioning into our our fall lineup which is uh we have a red ipa because we always do a seasonal ipa ipas are super popular no matter what part of the country you're in so uh, in the fall we go to a red ipa amberish in color we use a, a malt uh actually call it red x it uses red x malt um and again it's it's got a nice malty backbone but yet uh it's it's uh, ipa you still still got that that, that hop bite to it, a little, a little bit of a hop kick to it. And then we have a traditional um, uh, German Fest beer as well for the, uh, for the Oktoberfest season. So those are the beers we're, we're transitioning into right now. We're always brewing something different. We all, we'll have a, uh, we do a seasonal sour uh, beer as well. We had strawberry kiwi for the summer, which was really nice, light, refreshing. Uh, and then we, we are going to transition into um, uh, an apple plum sour wow. for the fall, kind of more of a harvest type sour, uh, more um, more uh, you know, traditional fruits and stuff yeah. like that rather than the citrusy type uh, fruits. So um, we're getting ready to release that. We have a toffee bar milk stout that will be coming out. Wow. Uh, probably in about another oh, week, week and a half. It sounds tasty. Yeah, it's really, uh, it's it's really really good. Um, and um, so yeah, we're always we're always trying to brew something. We just brewed a a collaboration brew with a with a small brewery in um, St. Petersburg, Florida. Okay. Um, uh, in fact, the uh, he. Uh, I ate breakfast with the guy today. Uh, the, he's, he's flying back uh, to St. Pete, and then we're going to go down there in uh, a couple weeks and brew the same beer down there. Um, but we brewed a uh, a kettle soured IPA Whoa. with guava. Wow! So that ought to be interesting. Yeah, uh, <laughs> something yeah. something a little different for <laughs> <Well>, sure. <laughs> guava is always good. I yeah. always find anything like with guava in, in it yeah. is really good. Well, so. we thought that. You know, when you're doing a kettle sour, you get that tartness, and you got hops in there. Well, you need a, the, the the guava. We're hoping will 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 complement both the the sour and the bitterness with a little bit of a sweet fruit. So yeah. we'll see what happens. That's awesome. <laughs> what are um what what makes you what makes your beer different than other beers and Kind of describe some of your favorite hops and like what your favorite brew style is. Well, what makes our beers different is um, like our name kind of says it all. Uh, infusion. We infuse a lot of non-traditional flavors in our beer. So when you look at our beer lineup, you see um, things like um, like the pineapple IPA, the vanilla blonde, the mango habanero wit. Um, you know, we use a lot of um, a lot of fruits, hmm. a lot of herbs, spices, things that are obviously non-traditional to the four traditional ingredients in beer. Yeah. Um, so we're always constantly looking for ways to infuse different flavors into our beers. Um, and that's, that's obviously in the, the way the craft beer movement has gone is that people are always looking for you know, it's not enough to have an IPA anymore. It's not enough yeah. to have a wheat beer anymore. It has to, it has to grab, grab people's attention, and that's what we've tried to do with our beers. Is kind of like, um, 
you know, kind of grab people's attention to say, hey, that, that looks different or that sounds interesting and, and get them to get them to try it because again it's like it's not enough just to have a beer anymore there's so many breweries out there that you're competing with even in our local market you know um uh so that kind of makes us unique the other the one other thing that that we that we always um feel is strong for us is that we only sell our beer in nebraska we're a border state uh our border city with iowa you know so in 20 minutes from now, I could be in Iowa. We don't sell our beer over in Iowa. Um, uh, we don't sell our beer in Kansas or any other bordering state or anything like that. Our beer is only available in the state of Nebraska. And right now, we're not even available in all of, in the entire state yet. We're only available in about two thirds, uh, geographically, about two thirds of the state. So, um, so that kind of makes us. You know, somewhat unique in that we've 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 resisted selling our beer into other markets. We want to be, uh, we want our beer to be local. We want to be able to keep an eye on our beer. Yeah. Want to be able to, we want to be able to develop uh, relationships with um, relationships with um, uh, with our retailers. And the only way I feel like to be able to do that um, fully is to. Um, keep it as local as possible. Uh, try to grow, just just grow within our area. Grow yeah, our grow our grow our base. That's awesome. Yeah. So yeah. as far as you know, like, yeah, I think you mentioned hops. Yeah. In there somewhere. Yeah. What 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 are your what are your kind of like favorite hops you use? I like like I said I like big citrusy hops. I like you know of course the hops that are in that are in demand that that nobody can get a hold of like. Uh, uh, the Nelson hops, the uh, oh, um, you know, of course, we, I I always love the, the sea hops like the Cascade, the Centennial, the Chinook, but you know some of the new hop varieties that are coming out, like even one from Germany called Mandarina Bavaria. Mm. It's a great hop, gives a, a nice little uh, uh, Mandarin orange, you know, uh, notes to the beer. Um, but we use a lot of different lot of different hops depending upon the, the beer that we're brewing um and we but we make a whole lot of ipas but we try to we try to um uh, you know make each ipa um different yeah as well you know so we use a, a different hop bill for every ipa that we uh, that we turn out mm-hmm. what what brewery um kind of before you started making this or even currently, like, kind of inspired you or inspires you? Um, well, um, uh, two or three breweries for, for different reasons. Um, uh, I, I, I was always a fan of Odell Brewing Company okay, in Fort cool. Collins. Yeah. Great, great brewery, great people. Um, one of the first things that uh, kind of like almost like a dream come true kind of a thing, when we first opened our brewery, um, we were able to do a collaboration with Odell. Nice. And they sent a brewer. Uh, they sent one of our one of their brewers to brew on our little seven barrel system. Yeah. And uh, we made a blood orange imperial IPA, and then uh, we went out there and we brewed on uh, their. Uh, they have a ten barrel. They have they have a smaller 
10 barrel system um, that they use as their kind of like their development research playground if you will whatever so we brewed on then their 10 barrel system Uh, and we brewed a um, uh, shoot what was it Um, gosh it's been a a few years now but anyway we we brewed a it was a um, uh, flavored stout like a toffee stout or something um, on their system and um, yeah, it was just it was just really cool to, to be able to have the opportunity to do that, because uh, I've always admired um, their beers and um, their growth strategy and, and, and such. Um, the other one I admire is um, uh, New Glarus because of their business model, because they are strictly Wisconsin. Yeah. So we've kind of followed their business model in that we want to be, you know, that brewery that when people go to Wisconsin, they always feel compelled to buy a case of New Glarus beer, Spotted Cow or whatever, and bring it back uh, to wherever they're from because they can't get it anywhere else. Yeah. We want to be that brewery for Nebraska that people come to Nebraska to get our beer and, and haul it back and because we get emails now. Uh, all the time from people that said, hey, I was in Omaha, I had your beer, where can I buy this beer in Texas or Arizona or whatever, you know? And so it's, it's kind of cool. Um, that to me is a, a huge compliment. Um, we, don't, we don't care really much about um, medals and things like that, competitions yeah. and such. Uh, what, but what, we, what, what does really get our juices flowing is when... when people write to us and say hey I had your beer at the airport or I had your beer at the at the arena in Omaha I was at a concert or something like that and where can mm-hmm. I buy this beer I, I love it or whatever and so that to me is like really yeah you know that's at the end of the day that's really makes the difference and uh, and then the, the third brewery I guess that I res- that I, I, I respect for and I've always loved was is August Shells in uh, New Ulm Minnesota second oldest brewery in the country um been around since like the 1860s um a great traditional german brewer that was able to survive um the all the shakeout uh, in the 60s and the 1970s of all the brewery closures and, and such they were able to come through weather that in a, in a fairly small town in in minnesota and now are thriving because you know uh, they make great beers and they have a, a sour beer program and they've really evolved and I, and I have a, the utmost respect for uh, for the Marty family who, who run that uh, who run that brewery up there and it's they've done an amazing job so it's awesome why um, why did you choose Omaha and then and then what do you think is the biggest misconception? about being a brewer? Uh, why did we choose Omaha? Well, I was born and raised here, so okay. it really kind of <laughs> chose me, I guess. Uh, uh, that was the easy part. Now, we could have, um, you know, we're uh, from where this brewery sits or for our production facility, we're about a half a mile from uh, being outside of Omaha. So we're kind of somewhat on the, on the border of the city limits. Okay. Uh, so if you went south, like 
five or six blocks, you'd be in uh, La Vista, Nebraska. Suburb, nonetheless, but still a different county, a different city. Um, we could have gone over there. There's, there's now uh, within, uh, within two or three miles of here, there's four more breweries that sit on the other side of the county line in Sarpy County and uh, out, just outside of Omaha. The right neck, yeah, I mean, we could, we could almost literally walk to most of them. Uh, huh. And um, I don't know. Uh, I was always born uh, and raised in Omaha, and I, I felt like if I'm going to have a brewery and I want to have a, a bottle of beer or whatever, I want it to be Infusion Brewing Company, Omaha, Nebraska, not Infusion Brewing Company, La Vista, Nebraska. Nothing, not, not that there's anything wrong with that, but it's, it's that, I guess, that city pride yeah and I wanted Omaha to be on I wanted Omaha to be on the label and not have to list a suburb uh, on there because then then there's no mistaking where we're where we're from if people look at a label and they say La Vista Nebraska and I'm from outside of the area I'm like where the heck is ne- La Vista Nebraska right yeah but most people know you know I guess Omaha's a big enough city that most people know where Omaha you know is yeah. and, and all that so that was kind of important to me um for, for that reason, and then uh, biggest misconception about brewing or yeah, being being an owner of a brewery or brewing or being part of the I think the industry. biggest misconception is that we all sit around and drink all day, uh, you know, or whatever. Yeah. Maybe um, <laughs> you know, and, and correct. Don't don't get me wrong. It's it, there's a lot worse. Uh, there's a lot worse jobs that you could have, you know. But we have our own set of you know issues here as well, you know where. Maybe the bottling line's not working right one day. We had our boiler uh, go down on us uh, a, a week and a half ago. We lost like four days of brewing time uh, that we had to scramble and try to make up by doing overnight shifts and everything, Dang. trying to brew three three brews in a day to try to catch up and keep the tanks full. So there's yeah, there's all kinds of you know problems and issues and everything, but. Uh, I guess, like I said, uh, everybody comes, you know, obviously we do tours and everything here and everybody, you know, it's thinks, you know, they're just going to walk in and it's be like Willy Wonka's chocolate factory and, <laughs> you know, everybody's just having a great old time and everything. And, and, and yeah, to a certain extent, like I said, it, 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 it could certainly be worse, but, you know, it's like with any job, it has its, it has its uh, pluses and minuses both. Yeah. Well. You know. What, what advice would you give to someone that wants to open a brewery or be a part of the beer industry? <laughs> um, well, um, I guess make sure that you have twice as much money as you think you should have um, because everything costs um, way more unless you're like Mr. DIY engineer kind of a guy and can do all this stuff on your own and and all that, um, that's great. But if you, you know, if hiring to have things done and, and buying pieces of equipment always, always costs more yeah. uh, than what you uh, than what you were hoping or expecting them to be. So, don't go in um, uh, undercapitalized and don't don't overbuild. You know, I mean, um, uh, start start small. It's better to start small. Uh, rather than try to come in with with a 
big, you know, badass system and, and try to make a lot of beer that you expect people to drink because you never know. Like, we started with that seven-barrel system. We got lucky because one of our beers really took off in the market. And, yeah. uh, and uh, we had no, absolutely zero plans of ever opening a second facility. Now, is it painful to open a second facility? Yeah, it's almost almost as painful as it was to open the first facility because of all the, you know, just all the money, all the, all the licensing, all the red tape. It takes a long time, you know. You can't open a brewery uh, really in less than about a year. Yeah. It takes from, from the time that you actually say, we're going to do this, until the time that you, you actually drink your first beer made in that brewery, you better plan on at least a year uh, as it's the wheels of of uh, of uh, progress and such just don't churn all that fast because you have so many so many facets that you have to uh, that, that come into play whether it's with all the government uh, licensing and such the the contractors the space mm-hmm. the equipment all those things have to come together and, um, yeah. and they don't always come together all at the same time yeah that's very true so um how have you seen omaha um omaha's beer scene grow or the breweries grow in omaha yeah when i yeah you know 20 years ago we had about three breweries in town they were all brew pubs yeah they were they were all they were all places where they were basically restaurants with breweries in them and now uh, we're in the in the metro area. We have about 14 breweries, 15 breweries, if you count the the one over on the uh, on the Iowa side, which we can lump into the metro area, I guess. Um, we've had uh, we'll have three brewery openings this year, just in the city. Um, so it's but all those all the breweries that are opening now hmm. are. Uh, Either small breweries with tap rooms or larger breweries with tap rooms. They're not breweries. They're not brew pubs. So the the, the trend has gone away, completely gone away from opening a brew pub yeah. to opening a a, a, a a small brewery with with tap room space. And uh, some people's some of their some of the business models are we want to sell almost all of our beer across the tap room we don't want to distribute our beer we were kind of we we thought we would do the same thing except we you know the the, the beer that you know the beer that we that we put out the, the blonde kind of forced our hand to be like we got to make more i mean people are people are getting mad because they can't find the beer and yeah <laughs> you know it's like <laughs> They're calling us, or they're writing to us. It's like, I can't find a beer. We're gonna get your beer. It's like, so we, yeah, we, we had to, we, we had, and this is how we ended up with with this production facility. So yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Well, how can people find you or check out your social mediums or? Um, we have a pretty strong, you know, um, you know, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, Obviously, Facebook, you know, um, Infusion Brewing, um, 
Yeah, we're, we're pretty out there. Uh, our website has a link where you can sign up for a weekly uh, newsletter that we put out that have uh, a recap of different events, both uh, in the brewery and then events uh, around the state that we do, whether it's a beer dinner or a, a festival that we might be at, uh, attending or something like that. So uh, all that information comes out in a, in a little weekly email blast um, to our subscribers there. So we try to... Um, we don't do uh, almost zero type of um, advertising, if you will, like whether it's radio or newsprint or um, magazine or whatever. Uh, we, we, we're pretty much, you know, kind of grassroots as far as we like to get out into the public. We have three sales reps. And that their only job is to go out there and engage in the market, you know, and... Mm-hmm. Um, set up events and such That's to cool. get uh, get people to uh, to try our beer. We have events on site here oftentimes whether it's whether it's big full blown festivals or whether it's uh, just yoga in the brewery or something like that, you know, mm-hmm. just to just to get uh, people to come out here and, and, and see the facility and such. That's cool. See what we're do- what we're all about. Yeah, yoga in the, in the brewery has been a, a new trend. Yeah, it has. It's kind of weird. We've done it a couple of times, and it's been successful, so I don't know. I mean, <laughs> whatever. People uh, like yoga and beer, so yeah, both I the combination. So. Yeah. yeah, you know, and bike rides. We do bike rides, too. We did actually did one about a month ago where we rode, um, uh, we called it Infusion to Infusion. So we rode from, from here to our Benson location, which is about... 12 miles away so yeah. it's, it's a good good little ride and we had a couple stops strategically of, of a couple of retailer accounts that have our beer and so we'd stop there along the way to to refresh and then keep going on to Benson and turn around have a beer there and then turn around and come come back here and uh, have a party back here after after it's all said and done so that was kind of fun bikers uh, bicyclists love beer too you know they they really uh, we have a, a huge uh, bicycling um, fan base, I guess, yeah. if you will, and, and we have a ride around here that, that rides around the uh, the five breweries that are located out here as well on a monthly basis, so that's kind of a, a fun little popular Saturday afternoon ride, too. So. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you for being on yeah. the Loki Podcast, and let us drink beer and hear your story. You bet. Appreciate so, you having us. Yeah. We'll see you guys later. Hey guys, thanks again for listening to the Low Key Podcast. If you're ever in Omaha, go check out Infusion Brewing and get a tasty brew. Guys, also follow and like them on all their social mediums, Facebook, Instagram. Check out their website too. Also, if you're a subscriber, go write a review and give us five stars. It helps us out. And if you listen to this podcast and don't subscribe to us, subscribe to us on iTunes. Also, go check out our other social mediums like Instagram and Facebook. Go like and follow. And then also go check out our vlogs on our website with also t-shirts coming soon. So, guys, that's it in low-key land. Keep it nice. Keep it easy. Keep it low-key. That's all. It's nice.